Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. John Locke's Second Treatise of Government Chapter 16 Of Conquest Section 184 But supposing the charge and damages of the war are to be made up to the conqueror, to the utmost farthing, and that the children of the vanquished, spoiled of all their father's goods, are to be left to starve and perish, yet the satisfying of what shall, on this score, be due to the conqueror, will scarce give him a title to any country he shall conquer, for the damages of war can scarce amount to the value of any considerable tract of land in any part of the world, where all the land is possessed, and none lies waste. And if I have not taken away the conqueror's land, which, being vanquished, it is impossible I should, scarce any other spoil I have done him can amount to the value of mine, supposing it equally cultivated, and of an extent any way coming near what I had overrun of his. The destruction of a year's product, or two, for it seldom reaches four or five, is the utmost spoil that can usually be done. For as to money, and such riches and treasure taken away, these are none of nature's goods. They have but a fantastical imaginary value. Nature has put no such upon them. They are of no more account by her standard than the wampum piquet of the Americans to an European prince, or the silver money of Europe would have been formerly to an American. And five years' product is not worth the perpetual inheritance of land, where all is possessed, and none remains waste, to be taken up by him that is diseased, which will be easily granted if one do but take away the imaginary value of money, the disproportion being more than between five and five hundred, though at the same time half a year's product is more worth than the inheritance, where there being more land than the inhabitants possess and make use of, any one has liberty to make use of the waste. But their conquerors take little care to possess themselves of the lands of the vanquished. No damage, therefore, that men in the state of nature, as all princes and governments are in reference to one another, suffer from one another, can give a conqueror power to dispossess the posterity of the vanquished, and turn them out of that inheritance, which ought to be the possession of them and their descendants to all generations. The conqueror, indeed, will be apt to think himself master, and it is the very condition of the subdued not to be able to dispute their right. But if that be all, it gives no other title than what bare force gives to the stronger over the weaker. And, by this reason, he that is strongest will have a right to whatever he pleases to seize on. Section 185. Over those, then, that joined with him in the war, and over those of the subdued country that opposed him not, and the posterity even of those that did, the conqueror, even in a just war, hath by his conquest no right of dominion. They are free from any subjection to him, and if their former government be dissolved, they are at liberty to begin and erect another to themselves. Section 186. The conqueror, it is true, usually by the force he has over them, compels them, with a sword at their breasts, to stoop to his conditions, and submit to such a government as he pleases to afford them. But the enquiry is, what right he has to do so? If it be said, they submit by their own consent, then this allows their own consent to be necessary to give the conqueror a title to rule over them. It remains only to be considered whether promises extorted by force, without right, can be thought consent, and how far they bind. To which I shall say, 
they bind not at all, because whatsoever another gets from me by force, I still retain the right of, and he is obliged presently to restore. He that forces my horse from me ought presently to restore him, and I have still a right to retake him. By the same reason, he that forced a promise from me ought presently to restore it, that is, quit me of the obligation of it. Or I may resume it myself, that is, choose whether I will perform it. For the law of nature laying an obligation on me only by the rules she prescribes cannot oblige me by the violation of her rules. Such is the extorting anything from me by force. Nor does it at all alter the case to say, I gave my promise, no more than it excuses the force and passes the right when I put my hand in my pocket and deliver my purse myself to a thief who demands it with a pistol at my breast. Section 187. From all which it follows, that the government of a conqueror, imposed by force on the subdued, against whom he had no right of war, or who joined not in the war against him, where he had right, has no obligation upon them. Section 188. But let us suppose that all the men of that community, being all members of the same body politic, may be taken to have joined in that unjust war wherein they are subdued, and so their lives are at the mercy of the conqueror. Section 189. I say, this concerns not their children, who are in their minority. For since a father hath not, in himself, a power over the life or liberty of his child, no act of his can possibly forfeit it, so that the children, whatever may have happened to the fathers, are freemen. And the absolute power of the conqueror reaches no farther than the persons of the men that were subdued by him, and dies with them. And should he govern them as slaves, subjected to his absolute arbitrary power, he has no such right of dominion over their children. He can have no power over them but by their own consent, whatever he may drive them to say or do. And he has no lawful authority, whilst force, and not choice, compels them to submission. Section 190. Every man is born with a double right. First, a right of freedom to his person which no other man has a power over, but the free disposal of it lies in himself. Secondly, a right, before any other man, to inherit with his brethren his father's goods. Section 191. By the first of these, a man is naturally free from subjection to any government, though he be born in a place under its jurisdiction. But if he disclaim the lawful government of the country he was born in, he must also quit the right that belonged to him by the laws of it, and the possessions there descending to him from his ancestors, if it were a government made by their consent. Section 192. By the second, the inhabitants of any country who are descended and derive a title to their estates from those who are subdued, and had a government forced upon them against their free consents, retain a right to the possession of their ancestors, though they consent not freely to the government, whose hard conditions were by force imposed on the possessors of that country. For the first conqueror, never having had a title to the land of that country, the people, who are the descendants of, or claim under those who, were forced to submit to the yoke of a government by constraint, have always a right to shake it off, and free themselves from the usurpation or tyranny which the sword hath brought in upon them till their rulers put them under such a frame of government as they willingly, and of choice, consent to.
Who doubts but the Grecian Christians, descendants of the ancient possessors of that country, may justly cast off the Turkish yoke, which they have so long groaned under, whenever they have an opportunity to do it? For no government can have a right to obedience from a people who have not freely consented to it, which they can never be supposed to do, till either they are put in a full state of liberty to choose their government and governors, or at least till they have such standing laws, to which they have by themselves or their representatives given their free consent, and also till they are allowed their due property, which is so to be proprietors of what they have, that nobody can take away any part of it without their consent, without which men under any government are not in the state of free men, but are direct slaves under the force of war. Section 193 but granting that the conqueror in a just war has a right to the estates, as well as power over the persons of the conquered, which it is plain he hath not, nothing of absolute power will follow from hence in the continuance of the government, because the descendants of these being all free men, if he grants them estates and possessions to inhabit his country, without which it would be worth nothing, whatsoever he grants them, they have, so far as it is granted, property in. The nature whereof is, that without a man's own consent, it cannot be taken from him. Section 194. Their persons are free by a native right, and their properties, be they more or less, are their own, and at their own dispose, and not at his, or else it is no property. Supposing the conqueror gives to one man a thousand acres, to him and his heirs forever. To another he lets a thousand acres for his life, under the rent of fifty pounds, or five hundred pounds per arm. Has not the one of these a right to his thousand acres forever, and the other, during his life, paying the said rent? And hath not the tenant for life a property in all that he gets over and above his rent, by his labor and industry during the said term, supposing it be double the rent? Can any one say, the king or conqueror, after his grant, May by his power of conqueror take away all or part of the land from the heirs of one, or from the other during his life, he paying the rent? Or can he take away from either the goods or money they have got upon the said land at his pleasure? If he can, then all free and voluntary contracts cease and are void in the world. There needs nothing to dissolve them at any time, but power enough. And all the grants and promises of men in power are but mockery and collusion. For can there be anything more ridiculous than to say, I give you and yours this forever, and that in the surest and most solemn way of conveyance can be devised, and yet it is to be understood that I have right, if I please, to take it away from you again tomorrow? Section 195. I will not dispute now whether princes are exempt from the laws of their country, but this I am sure, they owe subjection to the laws of God and nature. Nobody, no power, can exempt them from the obligations of that eternal law. Those are so great and so strong, in the case of promises, that omnipotency itself can be tied by them. Grants, promises, and oaths are bonds that hold the Almighty. Whatever some flatterers say to princes of the world, who altogether, with all their people joined to them are, in comparison of the great God, but as a drop of the bucket or a dust on the balance. Inconsiderable. Nothing. Section 196. The short of the case in conquest is this. 
The conqueror, if he have a just cause, has a despotical right over the persons of all that actually aided and concurred in the war against him, and a right to make up his damage and cost out of their labor and estates, so he injure not the right of any other. Over the rest of the people, if there were any that consented not to the war, and over the children of the captives themselves, or the possessions of either, he has no power, and so can have, by virtue of conquest, no lawful title himself to dominion over them, or derive it to his posterity, but is an aggressor if he attempts upon their properties, and thereby puts himself in a state of war against them, and has no better a right of principality, he, nor any of his successors, than Hingar or Hubba the Danes had here in England, or Spartacus, had he conquered Italy, would have had, which is to have their yoke cast off, as soon as God shall give those under their subjection courage and opportunity to do it. Thus, notwithstanding whatever titles the kings of Assyria had over Judah by the sword, God assisted Hezekiah to throw off the dominion of that conquering empire. And the Lord was with Hezekiah, and he prospered. Wherefore he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. Second Kings 18.7 Whence it is plain, that shaking off a power which force and not right hath set over any one, though it hath the name of rebellion, yet is no offense before God, but is that which he allows and countenances, though even promises and covenants, when obtained by force, have intervened. For it is very probable, to anyone that reads the story of Ahaz and Hezekiah attentively, that the Assyrians subdued Ahaz, and deposed him, and made Hezekiah king in his father's lifetime, and that Hezekiah by agreement had done him homage, and paid tribute all this time. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>